I'm feeling a little added pressure today. Um, my daughter is a college fundamentals of communication instructor, and she also teaches college English, so um, no pressure, right? And then my son-in-law has let me know that um, I've got a certain amount of time to get done. So um, anyway, uh, thankful that they're here via Chattanooga area and um, have enjoyed spending some time with them this weekend. Um, a while back when Pastor asked me if I would speak this morning, um, I began to pray about what God would have me to share with you. And um, if it were left up to me, I would probably have gone a different direction. But God has given me this message and put it on my heart. And uh, I've got to share it with you today. Uh, we're going to look at a key verse in Psalm chapter 33. Um, and uh, um, I guess if, if I were to give this message a title, I would call it The Bottom Line and What Are We Going to Do About It? Let's stand together and read this verse. I want you to read it with me. It's verse 12. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Let's pray. Our Father, we just are so thankful in, in, in letting us have the opportunity to be together with our church family today. And Lord, we just want to lift you up. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Alpha and Omega, you're all-powerful. You're omniscient. You're all-knowing. There's, there's words, Lord, that we just can't, in a human way, come up and describe who you are to us. And we just honor and glorify your name today. We lift you up. We just pray, Father, that you'll speak through me. Just let me be a vessel and may... Every word I say be pleasing to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I consider myself to be a bottom line type of guy. Um, every once in a while, I'll get these ads on my phone that um, has something that, that I'm somewhat interested in. And it says, click here uh, if you're interested or for more information. So I'll click on it and then uh, start watching this video. And if I've stuck with it about 20 or 30 minutes later, I haven't even heard the name of the product or how much it cost. And I'm saying, if, if you've got to spend this much time um, telling about this product without telling me what it is and how much it costs, it must, be not, that, it must not be that good. Um, and then it's, it's kind of like these TV commercials that you see or radio ads um, where at the end they legally have to say, something to keep themselves from getting sued and getting in trouble legally. And so they speed it up, and you can't understand what they're saying. And, and I could tell you what they're saying, two words, buyer beware. Um, so <laughs> the, the past seven months um, are, are such that we would all like to wish we could just pinch ourselves and wake up from a bad dream. And just like any other out-of-the-ordinary experience that we have, we, we all will form an opinion and develop a mindset, um, and, and, and that hopefully helps us to deal with it. But I have a question that I'd like to pose today for us to consider. And the question is, how have we arrived at our opinion 
and what is our mindset concerning what we've experienced in our nation in the past seven or eight months. You know, most people form an opinion or come to a conclusion based on what they see and hear on the XYZ nightly news, the newspaper, or possibly some other form of news they get from social media. But unfortunately, in most cases these days, what we're getting from these sources is not factual news. We're, we're getting what people that control these various medias want us to, to know and what they want us to think about certain things that are going on. And even more concerning is the fact that those who are putting their spin on this news, um, they're not Christians. And they probably don't even have a knowledge of God and his word. Um, but even more concerning, sadly, is the fact that many Christians are falling for the deception that's out there. And, and they're letting these false narratives that fill the airways, the newsprints, and cyberspace highways form their opinions. But as Christians, we've got to look through biblical lenses. We've got to filter everything that we come across through the Word of God. And we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our thoughts. We've got to ask Him for wisdom so that we can correctly interpret and understand what's going on in this country. Um, the coronavirus, it has caused a lot of hardship and suffering. People have been laid off of work. Some people have even lost their jobs. Businesses have been ruined. Our school children and young people, uh, their learning has been severely impacted. Uh, church services have been stopped or limited. And, and most unfortunately, there's been lives lost. Um, and, and there's been many sermons and articles uh, about bringing comfort and peace and encouragement and assurance to, to the hurting. And I don't want to minimize at all or trivialize any of these messages. They're, they're important and we need them. Um, but as is true in, in any tragic circumstance, uh, Christians have a distinct advantage uh, during troubling times. And I, I so thank Virginia for that song. Uh, we can look to God. He's never taken by surprise at what's going on in the world. He's in total control. And he is the only true source of peace and comfort. Um, I will have to say, however, that giving and receiving these messages of comfort and peace, they're only one aspect of correctly discerning when it comes to difficult events and circumstances. Um, there's also been messages about looking at these tragic events as a way of God trying to get our attention and to examine our lives, to, to see how we're measuring up to Christian living. And we've heard 2 Chronicles 7, 14 a lot, and, and, and rightfully so. That, that's right on target. Uh, we do need to be examining ourselves. And, and, and I support that view of looking at our current situation. Um, but as we try to wrap our thoughts around what's happening um, in, in the world or in our country, we as Christians got to keep some, some things in mind. And uh, one of the things I want to, to, to emphasize or point out is found in Ephesians chapter 2, a couple verses there, uh, starting with, with verse 2. It says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all had our conversations in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature 
children of wrath, even as others. And the point I'm trying to make from those verses is we've got spiritual warfare going on in our world. We've got the forces of good versus the forces of evil. We've got a warfare going on between Satan and God. And a lot of what's going on in our world and in our country today is simply a manifestation of this spiritual warfare. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Is that not true today? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, if we as Christians will keep this in mind, this spiritual warfare, um, it's going to help us to make sense of some of these heinous, ungodly acts and actions of people that we're seeing in our country. You know, um, how many times have we or, or, or heard other people say, how could somebody say that? How could somebody do that despicable act? Um, well, it's obviously satanic or demonic inspired. Um, that's the only way you can explain some of the things that we're witnessing today. Um, and, and we've got to, uh, as, as it says, put on the whole armor of God. We're not, we're not watching from the sidelines. We're in a battle. And, and uh, we've got to realize we're soldiers in God's army. Um, let's, as Christians, not be naive to what Satan's trying to do to this country. Um, and let's, let's not let his attacks take us by surprise. We've got to recognize them for what they are. There's one additional viewpoint I want to share today that I really haven't heard much, if, if anything, spoken about in regard to the events that's been surrounding our uh, coronavirus, the riots, the breakdown of law and order. And um, Brother Jared shared this verse uh, this past Wednesday, uh, Proverbs 14, verse 34. It says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But back to our, our key verse that we read a while ago, Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You know, there are those in our country today who are trying, and unfortunately they're succeeding, in rewriting our nation's history. Um, they refer to it as historical revisionism. And it's simply reinterpreting a historical count to fit somebody's point of view. But to me, history is facts. It doesn't need to be reinterpreted. Um, it's what happened. And... Um, those that are trying to use history to erase truth and to propagandize our young people need to be stopped. Um, and, and let me just encourage you young people, um, be sure and examine everything that you read, everything that you see, uh, everything that you're taught in light of God's word. You know, as, as having been a teacher myself, it hurts me to say that. Uh, because we've, we've always taught, you know, young people and children to respect their teachers and uh, what the teacher says is, is, is true and right. But that's not the way it is anymore. Um, you know, all subject matter, all teaching needs to align with Scripture in order to be true. Um, the, the devil is using education to try to capture the minds of our young people. And so that as they get older, even if they've been in church and Sunday school and Awana, that they'll reject the Bible and Christianity. Um, 
give you a little uh, firsthand uh, example of how this can work. Um, and we're talking, you know, quite a few years ago. <laughs> um, I, w I was raised in church and Sunday school all my life. Um, I had a godly mom and dad, and uh, um, I, I, I'm so thankful for that and give God the praise for it. But um, for my freshman year of, of university, uh, I went to a school down the road here, uh, quite, a, quite a ways, not locally. And uh, um, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not an early bird person. Um, uh, my, my strategy for the day is the night before I lay everything out, my clothes, what I've got to take with me. And when the alarm goes off, um, I'm on automatic pilot. Um, and then when I get to my desk at work, I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, in other words, I don't try to think a lot in the, in the morning first off the bat. But anyway, I had the unfortunate experience um, my freshman year of having to take a class that started at 730. Um, and you say, 730, that's not, that's not too early. But anyway, and when you're a college freshman, that's early. <laughs> um, and so I would get up about 720, throw on some clothes, run across campus, and slide into my chair about 729.55. And um, so, you know, I would, you know, sit there and listen and, you know, kind of be in a little bit of a fog, so forth. But what I'm getting at is um, one day I, I was sitting there taking notes, listening, and all of a sudden it just hit me. What I'm hearing doesn't line up with God's word. In fact, it's completely opposite of what the Bible says. And here, I was a person that had been in church all my life, Sunday school, knew the Bible. That's how subtle Satan can work. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of our young people today come through the same experience I had, and then after four years of college, they come out rejecting Christianity and the Bible. Um, we need to keep them in prayer. Parents, please look at your children's textbooks. Um, examine them. And be able to counter, you know, in your family devotions what they're getting. And it's not just science. It's not just evolution. It's way beyond that. Um, and, and another thing, parents do this. Teach your children now to evaluate what they're learning, what they're seeing in light of God's word. Um, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. A true history of our nation reveals that our country was founded by those that knew God. And they had a desire to worship him without fearing the government reprisal. And, and many of those that helped form our government, they were either Christians or they had a reverence and respect for the Bible and its teaching. And, and this is undisputed. It doesn't matter what the historical revisionists say. That's the facts. And, and as a result of our nation's founding and its subsequent leanings, uh, not all to perfection, we've not been a perfect country, but our nation has really enjoyed the blessings of God. Um, and there's no question that we've been one of the most blessed nations on earth that's ever existed. But in light of what's going on in our country this year, and something that's really been on my heart, is I can't help but ask the question, is the United States losing or has it lost God's blessing? Have we removed God from being our nation's Lord? Um, and, and could the verse be rewritten, and English teachers put your hands over your ears, the nation is not blessed because God is not the Lord. I know that's a double negative, but, but that's, that's what 
it's really hitting me is we have dismissed God from this country, and so God's had to turn his back and remove his blessings from us. You know, if, if I, as would be true with most of you, were honest, I'd have to say that in my lifetime I've witnessed a withdrawal of God and his influence from much of public life. Um, and, it, and it breaks my heart as I reflect on how things have changed from how it was when I was growing up. Um, prayer's been removed from schools. You know, I can remember when I was in elementary school, we would have someone come into our school, we'd go to the auditorium, and they would teach us a Bible lesson. Um, it was great. Um, and, and in many locations, public displays of the Ten Commandments and other religious documents have been outlawed. Uh, abortion, as, as well as uh, the scriptural pro prohibitions of other things are now legal. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Um, TV programs and movies are filled with immorality, bad language, and, and some are even, even ridiculing Christians in the Bible. You know, God is not welcomed in many public venues now. And, and this, this, this excuse, or whatever you want to call it, of separation of church and state, no way. That is not anywhere. It's just a, something they're using as an excuse. You know, there's some colleges and universities in our country that were founded back about the time our country began, and they were founded as, as Christian institutions on the Word of God. But today, they're bastions of liberal ideology. Um, you know, I can remember as, as I was growing up a day when even those that were not Christians would still have respect for God and His Word. Um, and, and that's just how much things have changed. There's no question, too, that the rise in crime, drug use, immorality, abortion, ungodliness, demonic activity. You know, I saw a, a, a guy the other day that was wearing a ball cap, and, and on the front of the cap it said, sinners are winners. Um, but uh, this, this, this rise in all this bad stuff is a direct correspondence to the removal of God and the Christian influence in this country. But our politicians and our social engineers would say, oh, um, all we need is more education. We just need some more government social programs, and that'll fix it. Um, you know, uh, I, I can go on with example after example of how God's been expelled from public life, all in the name of progressivism. We've got to be progressive. All in the name of enlightenment. You know, we're, we're becoming more enlightened, enlightened so, that, so we don't need God anymore. Um, so have we reached a point in our nation's history where we can no longer be blessed um, as a nation? I hope not. But if things are to change, it's, it's got to start with us, God's people. Uh, we, we can't expect politicians to turn things around. That's not the way it's going to work. Let me give you a few things that we can do to, uh, to help our country continue to get God's blessings. First of all, We've got to get serious about committing to get our nation back to where it needs to be. We can't just take a passive attitude and, and hope it's going to work out. Just hunker down and shelter in place, so to speak, and, and, and say, well, it'll eventually go away. Um, we're well beyond that. We're past that. We've got to realize what's at stake. You know, I, I hate to say this, but I, I, I have to say it. As bad as this year has been, if we don't get things back like they need to be, we might be looking at 2020 as a walk in the park um, as far as what, what could lay ahead. 
Earlier I talked about spiritual warfare. Um, you know, it's only because of God's blessing on this nation uh, that it survived, has survived as long as it, it has. Um, the devil wants nothing more for the United States to go under. That would fit his plan so well. You know, our country's done more good for the whole world than any other nation. Uh, we've sent missionaries throughout the world. We've kept communism and other bad forms of government at bay. Um, if this nation were to fall, this world is, is definitely going down the tubes. Um, and Satan wants to change our nation into something just a weak, mediocre socialist country. That's what he's wanting. And, and that would further his cause of taking as many people to hell as he possibly can. Number two, we must personally examine our lives in light of God's word. Um, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Again, Second Chronicles 7.14, but Psalm 139.23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Number three, we must pray for our nation and its leaders to do what is right. Um, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then uh, another one, we need to pray for our preachers. Um, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, reprove, reprove exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And, and you know, I'm not going to read it. There's a verse about uh, having preachers to, to tickle our ears. Um, I feel like, and, and we've heard evangelists come through here and say how as they've gone about churches in our countries that uh, the reproving and rebuking has been lacking in our churches. Um, most people are now wanting to go to church to hear, hear a feel-good message. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not downing messages that give us hope and encouragement. We need those. But we need to be told when we're not right with God and we've got sin in our heart and it needs to be changed. Um, and, uh, um, you know, if, if you were to, to um, start having chest pains um, and, uh, you know, your spouse calls 911, you get to the emergency room, the doctor comes in and uh, he says, what's going on? I'm, I'm having chest pains. My heart, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. He said, oh, okay, we can take care of that. Um, I'm going to give you some pain medication, and, and you know, that'll, that'll get your pain taken care of, and we'll send you on home. Anytime you start feeling chest pains, just take some of that pain medicine, and you'll be fine. Now, um, you know, I don't think any of us would buy that. <laughs> we say, uh, we need another doctor in here. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, we, we would want that doctor to, to start doing some examination, feel like, well, do we have some blockage? What's going on in there? Um, we we want to get that problem solved. We don't want to just take pain medicine and then die of a heart attack or something. And that's the way it should be with preaching. We don't want preaching that will just make us feel better for the moment. We need preaching that will help us examine what's causing the problem so we can address it and get it taken care of. And so we need to pray for preachers that will have the boldness you know, um, uh, that they need to be able to get up here and not have to worry about what brother so-and-so is going to say if he steps on their toes. Um, doesn't matter how much money he gives to the church. So let's pray for our preachers. Number four, we've got to live out the Christian life so that other people can see a difference. And um, I was going to, I'm going to try to get through this. So the verses of salt and light. We've got to be salt and light, Matthew 5, 13, and 16. 
Um, that's, that's part of our problem. We are not being salt and light to the lost. Um, they can't see any difference. And therefore, the influence of God has diminished. Uh, another one here. Uh, I'm afraid that we as Christians, and this kind of uh, goes right along with that, have become blenders. We're just blending in with everybody else. Um, when they look at us, they don't see, you know, hey, he's just a regular Joe. Um, he's just like anybody else. Uh, we're, we're, I guess, another way of saying it, we've become camo Christians. You know, we're, we're, we're in disguise. They can't tell what we are. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you. Uh, we've got to be bold in our daily walk. We don't need to, to cower down being afraid of ridicule and what somebody's going to say. Um, we've we've got to be the light that God's called us to be. Um, people are searching for what we have. And if we're not the light, they're not going to see it. Another one, we've got to take op- advantage of opportunities to mention God in the Bible in our everyday conversations. Um, it talks about holy conversation. You know, if you stop and think about it, when you're talking to people that you come in contact with, it's not hard at all to interject God in your conversation. Um, and, and yet we've let this idea of political correctness silence us. We, we shouldn't care about what the people say. We, we, can, we can get God and his influence out in the public, just in our normal, everyday conversations. I challenge you to try that, uh, and you'll find how easy it is. Uh, another one, we got to vote. Um, elections, by the way, are not about personality. They're about policy. Policy, not personality. You know, some people say, oh, I can't vote for him because he's, he's too brash, and he just conducts himself in a way I just can't stand. Well, let me ask you this question. How would you choose your brain surgeon? Um, we, have, we have Dr. A. Uh, Dr. A is known for having great bedside manner. He comes in and he listens and he takes your hand, just pats it and just, you know, so soothing and loving and Man, you know, what, what more could you want out of a doctor? But then you get, get on your um, phone and, and you go to rate my doctor and you start reading some reviews and you find out, hmm, this guy's had some issues. Um, in fact, he's got some lawsuits against him. Mm. And then you have Dr. B. Dr. B um, comes in, uh, what's going on? You ask him, you got a bunch of questions. You ask him, he goes, yes, no, yes, yeah. Anything else? All right, see you. In other words, he's in and out. But you go talking to people about Dr. B, and hey, Dr. B is one of the best brain surgeons in the world. He knows how to get your problem fixed. He's got outstanding results. Who are you going to choose, Dr. A or Dr. B? You're going to go with the person that's got the best results, right? the person that will get the job done. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you what to vote for. Don't vote for mobs, vote for jobs. Don't vote for riots and anarchy, vote for law and order. 
Don't vote for America last. Vote for America first. Don't vote for killing unborn babies. Vote for protecting unborn babies. Don't vote for socialism, but vote for freedom. Now, if you don't know who's what side, I can, I'll be glad to see you after service. All right. Um, another one, uh, we must support those who are taking a stand for what is right, as well as the causes that take a stand for what is right. We need to support our law enforcement, our first responders. Another one, we need to make it obvious and easy for others to see Christ in our life. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Um, are we lifting up Christ in our life? Is that why people aren't coming to the Lord, because we're not lifting him up? Another one, uh, I want to read a verse first. It says, Matthew, or Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This, this may sound odd, but we need to pray for those who are trying to make our country into something it was never intended to be. For our country to be a socialist nation, it plays right into the devil's hands. Socialism at best would tolerate some diminished practice of religion. And at worst, it would make it difficult or impossible for true religious freedom to exist. Um, you know, I quit watching the news. Um, I, I do watch some of the local news. But I can't stand to see people that are in leadership positions trying to make our country into something it was never intended to be um, and, and spread things that aren't true. But, you know... Um, I'll have to admit, in, in, in recent days and weeks, God's convicted me about my dislike for them. Now, he's not convicted me about disliking what they stand for. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, but think about the Apostle Paul. Um, what was Apostle Paul before he was Apostle Paul? He was a Christian killer, wasn't he? Um, and yet... Look what happened after he got saved. Um, you know, it doesn't, the Bible, I don't think, tells us that there were Christians that were praying for him before he got saved. But I, I have to almost believe there were people that were praying that Saul would get, get saved. Um, I know Stephen, um, he, he said something about laying out this sin to their charge. So, um, But I, as a result of, of the Lord speaking to me about this, um, I've started praying for four people. And if I were to give you their names, you'd know exactly, you know them. You see them on the news, you hear about them. Four people that, from a liking standpoint, it's hard to like them <laughs> because of what they stand for. But I'm praying, and, and I know people say, well, you're crazy for praying for so-and-so. But if God can save Saul and turn him into Apostle Paul, he can save anybody. And... You know, I'm just praying, and, and I'll challenge you. Some of these people that are in your thoughts and minds, maybe ask God, start praying for them. You know, um, I'm going to uh, kind of draw this to a close. Um, I think that uh, we need to realize that the majority of people in our country still, for at least for the moment, are not the enemies of Christianity.
We've got a significant few in this country and even people outside of this country that with the media's help, and I underline that with the media's help, are inciting innocent, well-intentioned people that are participating in some causes to try to do their best to divide this country and use chaos in order to make us willing to give up some of our freedom. That, that's, that's what will ultimately happen. People will be, end up being willing to give up some freedom just to get order restored. And all the laws in the world that could possibly be passed are not going to put an end to prejudice. Um, it doesn't matter if it's, it's black against white or white against black or Asian, Hispanic, whatever. Prejudice or hatred of another visual is sin. That's what it is. It's, it's sin. And, and the heart is, is deceitfully wicked. And for the grace of God, uh, or but for the grace of God, you and I would be right there. That's the only advantage we have as far as our feelings toward other people is we have the love of God in our heart as a result of him putting it there. And, and, and we've got to get the message out that it's only the love of God that's ever going to change every individual. Um, these people that are at the ends of the spectrum, that have the hatred on both sides of it, it's only God that can change their heart. Um, and uh, we've got to pray to that end. Uh, the Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 1 John 4, 11 and 12, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. We've talked a lot about what could be going on in our country today and what we can do as Christians to stem the tide. And, and, and hopefully we can turn this thing around to where we can have the blessing of God back on our nation like it, it once was. And if God's spoken to your heart through anything I've said today, um, I challenge you to, to do those things that he's brought to your heart and your mind to see if we can't together make a difference. And, you know, maybe you're here today or you're listening and watching and... Um, you heard me talk about Christians being blenders, where they, if, if the Joe Public is looking at them, they can't tell them any different from anybody else. And maybe you realize, well, the reason I blend in with everybody else is because I don't have anything inside of me that helps me not be a blender. I've never really trusted Christ as my Savior, and that's why I can't, I just blend in with everybody. I don't have a way to be different. You know, um, I was a lost church member. Um, I had, had gone down the aisle and got baptized. Um, and uh, I think back to a time in our, our country's history, there was a lot of unrest going on. Um, and and uh, there, was, there was a song that had come out, and, and I know the, the church I went to, uh, it, it come out, and it just seemed like it was really fitting the times because of what was going on in our country. And um, it's called Jesus is Coming Soon. And, and uh, um, you know, like I said, about once a week, our church would sing that song. Um, and it talks about, you know, God's coming soon. And, and as a young person, I was thinking about the turmoil in the world and how chaotic things was. And um, 
I got to think, man, if God comes back, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to go with him, and, and I'm, I'm going to end up dying and going to hell. And I remember laying awake in my bed at night, just in turmoil, because the Holy Spirit was dealing with me and convicting me. And thankfully, I, I, I put put aside. I don't, you know, what the what what are the people in the church going to think? I, I said, I don't care what they think. I'm going to get saved. And if if that's you today, I'll just challenge you before the end of the service here. Get that settled. Uh, you don't know what tomorrow brings. And, and you don't want to have that turmoil going on in your heart. You want to be at peace with God. And you want to make a difference in this country that Christians can make. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to look at your word and the thoughts that you've shared with us. And God, it breaks our heart when we think about where this country is where it once was. And we just pray, Father, that you'll help each one of us not to be sideline Christians, but to not to be blenders or camo Christians, but to realize who we are in you. And through your power and your Holy Spirit, guiding us and directing us to make a difference, to help you once again pour out your blessings on this country. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be down here at the front if if you'd like for me to pray with you, just tap me on the shoulder. But let's all stand. Your head's bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you a couple questions. He gave, that was a great message of what we need to, we need to be different. How many of you in here with no one looking around would say, you know, Pastor Reiner, there's been a time in my life, as he just asked, that you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Now, don't, don't, don't raise your hand if you're just coming to church. That's not what it's about. There's going to be a lot of people that come to church that don't know Christ. You just think about this, and I'm not saying if you're one of those, but if I was Satan, I'd bring people to church that weren't saved. I'd have them believing that they don't, they, they just come to church and that's all they need. That's not what you need. You need a personal relationship with Christ. You won't understand the peace at all. Unless you have that. But no one looking around. And I just want to do this to pray for you. If there's been a time in your life when you've asked Christ to save you and come into your heart, would you keep your hand raised so I can see it? But I'd just like for you to raise your hand all over the auditorium. Don't look around and see what other people are doing. If there's a time in your life when you've asked Christ, and I appreciate you being honest, there's a couple that didn't raise their hand. What's God done for you? What, what, what does God have to show you? We, we serve a great God. He sacrificed his son for us. He died on a cross, which was a very cruel death. But he didn't stay in that grave. He rose again. And because of that resurrection, we can have life. I think I know Wendell's heart, and he would do, he would do anything for you if you just say, Lord, I, there's, I've got to get this settled. In just a second, I'm going to have... Um, Brother Bishop play a song just one, two verses through and I want to encourage you if you're a Christian here and I, I know that social distancing if you want to come up and pray at the altar or if you want to pray in your, in your pew for those that don't know Christ and it doesn't have to be somebody in this room it could be somebody else all of us know people that we need to be salt to all of us know people that we need to be a light to as he mentioned in his message. 
If you want to know more about Christ and you want to come to this old-fashioned altar, Wendell will talk with you. I'll talk with you. If you're just out there and you've accepted Christ, but you're not living the way you should, it's time to be salt. It's time to be light. Lord, be with this invitation. Thank you for what a, a great message of what America is. May we understand that we have a responsibility to do everything we can for you. But we also have that responsibility to lay our lives aside and do what you want us to do. There's someone in here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, and I saw at least three hands that were not raised. May they come to the knowledge of who you are and what you did for them. The Bible says there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Christ. Be with this invitation as, as Christians in here pray, maybe at the altar, maybe at their pew. Be with those that don't know you, that you'll just touch them where they'll say, I've got to get this settled today. Don't let them feel comfortable. Lord, and let them understand that no one in this room is going to look down upon them. Thank you for, again for what you've done. And be with, be with these two verses that people will make decisions in their life. In Jesus' name.